Hello to all our dear friends. Thank you for joining us today for our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you all so much for joining us. Start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from Mrs. Eddy's Lessons of the Seventh Day, except on page 338 and 342. There is one mind, and this mind is yours and mine, and governs us. All our thoughts come to us from this mind and go back to their source. There is no other mind to tempt, to harm, or to control. Know this, and you are the master of the occasion, master of yourself and others. Declare every morning, I feel fine. I cannot be discouraged, dismayed, confused, influenced, or in any way affected by a mortal mind. No thought, conscious or unconscious, felt or unfelt, known or unknown, no power seen or unseen can in any way touch me unless it originates in divine mind. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Thank you very much. All right, the watching point. Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> This is watch number 137. Watch lest you accept divine mind as the power that heals the sick and fail to demonstrate it as the source of infallible wisdom as well. In Mark 1:44, we read of the man whom the master instructed to say nothing to any man about his being healed. The man disobeyed and published it widely showing that he accepted divine mind, which Jesus reflected as the healing power, but not as the source of wisdom. Yet, if mind is the one, it surely is the other. The children of Israel accepted the power of God as that which could heal, sustain, and protect them, as well as help them to conquer their enemies. Yet they often rejected God's wisdom, when they came to the promised land, they were held back through fear of the children of Anak and declared that they were in their own sight as grasshoppers. Had they accepted the wisdom of God, they would have penetrated this trick of animal magnetism, realizing that in reality their only enemy was their own fear and their acceptance of mental suggestion, trying to belittle their conception of themselves. The children of Anak represented animal magnetism, attempting to retard their progress through deception and suggestion. The promised land comes through Christian science, but you cannot pass the children of Anak or handle animal magnetism without divine understanding and wisdom. Thank you. <clears throat> Comments on that? Well, that the um, oh. no, I was just going to say we have this watching point every week because of the importance of Gilbert Carpenter and what he's given and, and has taught us and something that was emphasized in our church for many, many years, the wisdom of Carpenter. Uh, so go mm -hmm. ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw this as so clear about how we are Animal magnetism is always trying to belittle our conception of ourselves. That's what it's all about. It's trying to tell us we're not who God says we are. And so the little I gets fearful, discouraged, doubtful. Um, but it's all because we're, we're not accepting that it's our false concept that makes us fearful. And so I, I thought that was a good point. It's quite a leap of faith, isn't it, to accept God's commands 
uh, trust your spiritual sense. I mean, um, you know, Mrs. Eddy assures us. She says in uh, <clears throat> Citation 6, the divine mind that made man maintains his own image and likeness. So that mind that heals us also maintains us. It, it, it guides us every second of every day if we will listen to it. And then she says the human mind is opposed to God and must be put off. All these false beliefs, all these fears, as the watching point says, are opposed to God. It's not just like an option, you know, or a, an okay little thing. It's actually opposed to God. It's opposed to our own well-being. So it's not like you can, you know, dilly-dally with the human mind. We need to work to put it off. This is, I feel this is why we are instructed to seek this mind, seek God. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. And all these things will be added. If we seek this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus, is this mind that has all of this, the perspicacity, the discernment, the wisdom, everything comes with it. And if we, are the, we remain the reflection of this mind, then we also reflect that, all these other attributes. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> yeah, it's a complete package. There's nothing missing. I, I, I was thinking this week about how, you know, sometimes the messages we get, if we're in the human mind, it can seem really counterintuitive. But I was thinking about learning how to drive in the snow. It feels like the right thing to do just to jam on the brakes and turn, and you know, and then you but you just skid into the curb. You know, you have to do different things in order to successfully get through, and you have to learn how to do it. So, thank you. In in uh, addresses by Martha Wilcox, she wrote a wonderful chapter. There's a chapter in there called The Definition of Intelligence, and everyone should be familiar with that chapter uh, to study it. And she asks, you know, are we aware of the definition of intelligence in the in the glossary? Are we grateful for it? Do we realize what a tremendous gift we have? And in order to express this divine mind, which is ever available to us. But yes, the human mind is always pushing itself upon us. It's, it's not the truth. She calls it, I think it's someone wrote on the forum about hallucinations. It's hallucinations, but it's trying to get you to believe it to be true. That's why in, on page 228 in Science and Health, where Mrs. Eddy says, there is no power apart from God. Omnipotence has all power, and to acknowledge any other power is to what? Dishonor God. It's to dishonor God. It's not a small offense. So I ask myself, I've, I've written this, <laughs> I've written this um, down to remind myself, how many times am I dishonoring God by believing that there is another power other than the divine power. There's only that divine power. And while I'm on that point, in the lesson this week, the human mind has no power to kill or to cure, and it has no control over God's man. This is where we stand. We must be clear on this. And this is true about the vaccinations. I've, I've mentioned it before, and I will mention it again. If you think it's a cure, you're off base. You are dishonoring God. If you think it can harm you, the same thing. You are dishonoring God because you are acknowledging a power other than him. I mean, who invented these vaccinations? It wasn't God. It was the human mind, right? So, okay. It has no power to kill or to cure. Let's, let's be clear. Because I get it on 
well, mostly from Christian scientists, oh, it's terrible, we're killing ourselves. Well, thanks a lot. How many of you don't know a single soul who's been vaccinated? I mean, if you care about mankind, you're going to be clear on this. It has no power. And to acknowledge any other power, you are dishonoring God. That's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We must be clear. If we're not clear, who the heck will be? I think that's, uh, you, you know, we can't just limit it to just the, even the vaccination Absolutely. all around. I mean, we are bombarded on the, on the television all the time with this drug and that drug and this drug and that drug. Yes, we do our best, that's for sure. But always knowing that it is God who heals and heals completely. And, you know, this is where we stand. We stand acknowledging God's allness, his presence, his love for us, every one of us. Thank you, yes. I use the vaccination as a and as an example that's out there particularly yeah. right now. But, oh, yes, in every instance, that's why I'd ask yourself during the day, am I, how have I been dishonoring God, believing that there is another power besides him? It keeps you in the secret place of the Most High to be thinking this way and to only be with the first commandment of having no other gods before that one God. So also there was something before we get into some other things today um, that's important. During a Bible study, I, uh, I mentioned about Mrs. Eddy when she was, the Concord Church was being formed. And um, I read this from the, Tomlinson book, 12 Years with Mary Baker Eddy, on page 120, where it's written, he writes then, that all Christian scientists might clearly understand her desire that branch churches shall be truly democratic in their government. Mrs. Eddy published a bylaw which reads in part, and this is Mrs. Eddy. In Christian science, each branch church should be distinctly democratic in its government, and no individual and no other church shall interfere with its affairs. That's very clear, isn't it? What page was that, Mary? 120. 120. And he writes further about it, how she was so strong, she didn't want interference in the churches, the branch churches. They were to be independent and autonomous. Now, I had Linda research this in the manual, manuals, because we go by the 88th, but she also looked it up in the 89th. And what did you find? Um, exact wording right there on the paper. It's on page 70 of both books, the 88th and the 89th, under the heading, The Mother Church and Branch Churches, Article 23. Quote, Local Self-Government, Section 1. The Mother Church of Christ Scientists shall assume no general official control of other churches, and it shall be controlled by none other. Each church of Christ scientists shall have its own form of government. And then it goes down a little farther into that section of maybe on page 71 or 2. And it says, quote, no interference, section 10. A member of the mother church may be a member of one branch church of Christ scientists or one of Christian science society holding public services, but he shall not be a member of both branch church and society. Neither shall he exercise supervision or control over any other church. In Christian science, each branch church shall be distinctly democratic in its government, and no individual and no other church shall interfere with its affairs. End quote. Both books. Both manuals. Now, I'm referring back to our watching point about wisdom, right? The wisdom of Mrs. Eddy. This is her wisdom. She said this. She said her manual is, is to be obeyed and is very important. So, so what's with the, what in the world has happened? You know, they talk about a veil cast. A veil is cast so you cannot see what is right before you. How does that happen? To me, that's witchcraft. <laughs> you can't see what's right in front of your, your eyes or someone tells you, no, no, she didn't mean that, or it was a loving mistake, or we don't obey this. 
This is her wisdom. And you can see why. We should have independent churches. And if we did, the, the movement would not be where it is. And this is in the manual in her her approval. So how did we get so far with all this interfering? Why is it that every time, and this is what happened in this church, people said they didn't like Mrs. Evans was teaching, they said, in the reading room. She was getting people together to work and study and pray for the community. Oh, no, no, she can't do that. It's not, it's not in the manual. <laughs> well, it's in the manual. We can be independent and think for ourselves, I would hope. So a, a little group of I won't say who, but a group of people who thought they knew better. They re She was reported to the authorities in Boston. That's how it all started. They reported to, to their teacher who happened to be on the board yeah. up in Boston. Quote authorities. Right, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But this is, this is how animal magnetism works. It ignores the divine mind. It is the human mind in full bloom. And that is what has taken over any organization that loves the organization more than it loves God. And that's what we have. Well, obviously, that's what we have in Boston. And it was also in our Bible study, uh, <clears throat> the, the Nichols would... They were in favor of big, huge governments. And and guess where it got them? The Christ truth said, I hate this. But we don't we're not taught these things. And it's so important that we are to be educated. There's no doubt, there's no question about this. How it got totally ignored, I it's a mystery, except except through, yes hallucination, witchcraft, that you don't even see. You don't even see things in science and health and prose works that she says over and over and over, like things like rebuking and other things. Era wants you to ignore this. And so here again, you are not accepting the wisdom, the wisdom Mrs. Eddy poured into her manual that we must have. And then along with that, this was submitted as a as a testimony this week, but I thought it would be better in this regard. It was from Carrie in California. She said that she was looking up a search on churches, independence churches, and she found, again, Carpenter, the Christian Science Sunday ser service interpreted as a demand for mental activity. And she said she was completely, and we should feature this on the carousel, she was completely blown away by the fact that Carpenter says, Old theology says you come to church and just sit and listen. Christian science, you come and work. You pray for your brother man, everyone. You pray, right? That's in the manual, too. Now, we pray before, during, and after in this church. We have for years. But she said she didn't know this. And she said she and others would go to church and they'd all go to sleep. Again, how does this happen? So now, now she's really working for the service, as she should be, as we all should be. And I bring this up, too, because there, we've had some Wednesdays where it's been a little on the dull side. I won't say dull, but quiet. they're quiet side. All of you should come prepared with a testimony. As I said, as we were taught, a whole week has passed. You have nothing to be grateful for. Where is your enthusiasm? You're neither hot nor cold. I will spew thee out. It feels good to have a testimony, and it feels bad not to have one. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it shouldn't be because I get the feeling, okay, well, come complacently. The Plainfielders will do it. No, 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 no. We, we do are, it. We, we do it. It shouldn't always be us. And if you're here, you're a plain field. Yes, you are. You absolutely, thank you. You sure are. You're part of this. But we're feeding a hungry world. And it's the healing of Christian science that gets most people's attention. It does. Mrs. Evans used to say, Wednesday night is the most important thing going on in the world. And she, I'm sure she's right. It, and this is your time to share 
as Lord knows, we all talk enough. I all talk, I talk enough at the roundtable. This is your time to talk and share what, you, what you're learning. But keep your enthusiasm. We're, we're approaching the Lent, Lent season. It starts March 2nd, Jeremy. And that's another time when there's a, a, sometimes a dullness. Stay awake and alert. Come ready to give. Whether you have to or not is another matter, but you should be ready if there's a pause that you can jump right in. We have over 200 or more people, for the most part, every Wednesdays, and 300 or more on Sundays listening. And many of them are new. They're, they need a cup of Christ. A cup of cold water. Yes. Water. Cold water in Christ's name. They do. And speak clearly and plainly. Do not use the jargon of it. I don't know. Is Dale A. here? Yes. Dale A., you want to tell about? Yeah, um, I can remember, now this was back in the 50s, coming out of a Wednesday service with my mom and sister, and we overheard some strangers talking, and, you know, some new people, and they said, you know, those testimonies would really have been impressive if they were true, because everyone wanted to say, well, I had the belief of, you know, whatever it might have been, arthritis or broken something or other. The belief of, it was using that jargon, the belief of. And so the people didn't get it. Yeah, they thought, well, you just had a belief of it. You really didn't have it. <laughs> so, and they said, oh, it would have been so impressive if they really had had that disease or whatever the situation <laughs> was. But it, they were using the jargon. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're not this elite little club talking to each other. This is to go out to the world, to new people. And most of you, many of you know this. Many of you come prepared. Many of you give sterling testimonies. But I'm rousing the dormant understanding here. This is, we're not to be made to forget or to neglect our duty to God, our leader, and to mankind. The other thing is, if you sign up for a, to write a lesson Please write it. Some of you just take one lesson and you, how many months do they have it? And then the last three, week, yeah. three months to write it. And then the last week there, that leaves it all up to mainly Gary and I <laughs> to, to either rewrite it or write the whole thing over again. And then we have all these people who are waiting to proof it, to print it. No, thank you. If you can't do it, just say no. We'd rather have three months to work on it than the last week. So just don't lose your enthusiasm and you can't give us excuses that's in the definition of intelligence excuses are intolerable mrs eddy says i don't want to hear any excuses it doesn't matter i don't care if you were told to do it you should do it you demonstrate doing it somehow you do that that's demonstration for us here many of us work full-time jobs had young children plus everything else we had to do Gary used to have to travel. He went into New York morning and night, an hour and a half train ride. But he was expected to be here to usher early at six o'clock, sometimes early anyway. There were no excuses. Our lessons had to be handed in on time. No excuses. This is called demonstration. So, And it's quite interesting to me to observe that those of you who give the church work a priority in your life and do it on time, it gets done well. If you don't give it a priority, ask yourself, what, 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 what are my priorities? What is important to me? <clears throat> what are it, your first fruits? What is your first love? Yeah, your, your first, first fruits. fruits. And you know, if if you're if you're uh, you know succeeding in a business or in a, you know or in something else, that's wonderful. God bless you know. God bless that. But if it takes you off of doing what God has for you to do for Him and and for your leader and for mankind, then then it then it becomes animal magnetism. So it's a question of what, what your priorities are. 
And if your priorities are for God and for mankind, everything else will fall into place, guaranteed. It's amazing how that works. Like when Judge Hannah talked to Mrs. Eddie and said he was too busy and had to give stuff up. But she told him to instead work for four hours yes. for himself each day and continue to do everything. Yes, <laughs> so, thank you very much. If you're too busy, take more time to pray. <laughs> and, and you will find all the things that were stumbling blocks will, will disappear because God will, God will open the way for you. It's amazing how all this works, but apply it. It's yours to apply. I like the statement, the steps of the Lord, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighted in his way. Thank you. I, was given, I think it's Proverbs. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, yes. But, but this is all how divine mind works. And if we put ourselves on that train, it will carry us as quickly and as efficiently as is possible. And it will amaze you what you can accomplish. Yeah. And also, if you put God's work first, everything else you have to do gets done better yes. and more quickly. And it, it's amazing. I, I, I used to sit there and say, oh, my God, how am I going to do all that? But I, I just put God's work first, do that, and everything else just, just works out better than I would have done it on my own. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a law. And many of you do this, believe me, and we're so grateful. And everything is turned in timely. And usually when a lesson's turned in timely, it doesn't need work or not much work. Most of you do it. But I've just seen a little letting down this past few weeks. And, and we can't. It's, we can't let down. This is God's work. It's not our own work. It's God's work. And we must respect it. I think after a while you do hear my work, do my work, and then the rest follows. Do yes. God's work. Hmm? Mm-hmm. It doesn't come as a whisper. It comes as a <laughs> command. As a trumpet. Trumpet. Yeah. As a trumpet that we heard, yeah, the Bible study. I'm yep, still waiting for that article, Karen. <laughs> a timely matter. <laughs> oh. No pressure. Oh, no. no, no pressure. There is no pressure. If you do it in a time, I know. There's no Just pressure. listen. Yeah. Just yeah. Call it pressure. That's yeah. And this was one uh, lovely thing. This this Linda, our friend Linda in Nevada, she sends us, she sends me anyway, occasionally these watches. And this was from um, something Mary Baker Eddy Library, Advice to Healers. When night comes on over the city, the students of Christian science light the lamps to banish the darkness. It is because of the gloom that they light their lamps. So you are lighting your lamps of truth to banish the darkness of error. You are not appalled by darkness. Then let this be your comfort, not that you are shrouded with gloom, but that you have the light with which to overcome the darkness. I think that's beautiful because if you ever feel like sometimes maybe we all do, we're shrouded with gloom. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is we've got the light, the light to brighten any dark spot. Thank God for that. Like everything Florence read in her prayer to declare daily. Yes. Was, uh, discouragement. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And these are beautiful. And we've last week we used one of Florence's prayers for the watch and we're going to do more of that. So we're declaring that truth for ourselves as well as for everyone else. So our subject today is mind, and our golden text is what, Will? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Thank you. And that properly reads, let him ask of God. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, because God is not separate. No, I'm sorry. Or any place other than where you are. Yes. <clears throat> and in um, Louise's forum, she quotes Mrs. Eddy and Miss Eleni, Christian science is not a search after wisdom. It is wisdom. It is God's right hand grasping the universe, 
all time, space, immortality, thought, extension, cause, and effect, constituting and governing all identity, individuality, law, and power. So she also wrote, and I, I needed to correct it. She did ask me before she put it on the forum, but she, she lists the things pairing intelligence to wisdom. But it's an improper use of that word intelligence. And I think Jasmine, because Jasmine spoke to it, and rightly so. <laughs> it, it's even in our lesson this week that God is intelligence. I mean, you can't... <laughs> Intelligence is divine. It's not something human. It's not human. Otherwise, no. it's stupid. I mean, it would be stupid. No. <laughs> and in recapitulation, which Jasmine wrote, her Mrs. Eddy's definition of intelligence um, in science and health, it's omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. It is the primal and eternal quality of infinite mind of the triune principle, life, truth, and love, named God. So in that list that Louise wrote, what would have been better, and it should be corrected, Jeremy, if you can stick your hand sure. in it, to say um, it's well, you can use either human intellect or intellectualism. Intellectualism, we know as what? In vain. Thank you. It was Mrs. The only thing Mrs. Evans said she found helpful from her class teaching by <laughs> Jean Rowe Price was that that intellectualism is the bane of Christian Science. That is because it, you are appealing to your human intellect. I know so much. I've studied this. I'm a real authority on all of this. Well, count it all. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's favorite line from <laughs> Paul, who was so well-educated. Count it all. Dung. All right. So, so under that, then it makes more sense. She says intellectualism leads to arguments. Wisdom leads to settlements. Intellectualism is power of will. Wisdom is power over will. Yeah, like this manual. Power of will, that's what the board of directors wanted you to think, that they could interfere with the branch churches. No. Sorry. Sorry. And anyone who's listening to this better understand this. This is not made up. This is fact. And facts are what? Pesky thing or something? Uh, pesky little things. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ignore them. <laughs> so intellectualism is, is hate. It burns. And you know, when someone is displaying their intellectualism, it is kind of burning, isn't it? It's annoying <laughs> how, how great they are, how smart they are, whatever. Wisdom is warmth. It comforts. Intellectualism is always in pursuit of knowledge. It tires the seeker. Wisdom is the pursuit of truth. It inspires the seeker. Intellectualism is holding on. Wisdom is letting go. Intellectualism leads you. Wisdom guides you. An intellectual man thinks he knows everything. A wise man knows that there's still something more to learn. An intellectual man always tries to prove his point. A wise man knows most often there is no point. <laughs> <laughs> An intellectual man freely gives unsolicited advice. <laughs> A wise man keeps his counsel until all options have been considered. An intellectual man understands what is being said. A wise man understands what is being left unsaid. An intellectual man speaks when he has something to say. A wise man speaks. Wait. An intellectual man speaks when he has to say something. A wise man speaks when he has something to say. <laughs> An intellectual man sees everything is relative. A wise man sees everything is related. An intellectual man tries to control the mass flow. A wise man man navigates the mass flow and in, an intellectual man preaches a wise man reaches Beautiful. author unknown yeah. the so. statement I mean, it matters the 23rd psalm 
where it says, you know, from anybody, no matter what situation you're in, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. You, you know why wisdom was right there from God. Thank you. Yeah, I love That's that. beautiful. And I love in here where it said, a wise man understands what is being left unsaid. How often was Jesus asked a question, and mm-hmm. it went completely a different way when he gave his answer. <laughs> so true. I love yeah. that. <laughs> I know you Never just answer directly. Thank you. you. You watch, you observe the wisdom of, of Mrs. Eddie and, and of the Christ and, and wisdom must always accompany love. It's very important. You're just loving and you, you don't use that wisdom like the Christ did. Um, I love there was in Gary's readings on Wednesday, where it says, uh, miscellany from Mrs. Eddie, Jesus gave his disciples, students, power over all manner of diseases. And the Bible was written in order that all peoples in all ages should have the same opportunity to become students of the Christ truth and thus become God-endued with power, knowledge of divine law, and with signs following. Think of that. That's why the Bible is so important. It is giving everybody a chance to, to be followers of the Christ, to be taught of Christ, and how that's a little bit on the important side, right? That's very important. <laughs> it's very important. I, I'm, I've always been grateful for that since coming here because, you know, every other religion has, like, an acceptable losses idea for the for mankind like oh they're going to go to hell and that's okay but we, we don't have that thank you everybody gets saved not not until everyone's safe thank you so much that's so important no one's excluded here and we're not you know picking on certain people or anyone and that that's the sermon on the mount this is christ's christianity which is a difference sometimes between the mainstream christianity it's christ Sermon on the Mount. It is the science of Christianity. It is the laws that explain what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. So many people get, you know, get a little confused about Jesus' miracles, so-called miracles, you know, walking on the water. Nobody else that we know of has ever walked on the water. But remember, impossibilities cannot occur. If something occurs, that that means that it's possible. Everything he did was to show us the possibilities of a life in God. Yes. Of what God is and what God does for us and and it took mrs eddie you know 1870 60 whatever years later to discover the science that explains why all of this stuff that's in the bible that jesus did is not just a big magic trick which some people think evidently So we are so blessed here. We have Christ Jesus as our teacher. We have Mary Baker Eddy as our teacher. And then we have all those that she taught as our teacher, like Martha Wilcox and Kimball and Bicknell Young and Eustace, all those who are around at that time who knew or who have the pure science. Um, But Christ Jesus and Mary Baker Eddy are our extreme teachers. (laughs) our main teachers, and of course, God, the divinity course. And the, and the lesson is full of that. Teach me, O Lord, and I will walk in thy precepts. Teach me, teach me. God is our teacher. And he teaches us every day, all the time, by what happens in our lives. Did things work out or did they not work out? What can I learn from this situation? And Carrie sent me a very beautiful article called Lycan's Bible to a Great Temple. And it's from the Denver Republican. I guess that's a newspaper, but it says, Mm -hmm. 
The 66 books of the Bible, written by more than 40 different authors, men of all classes and conditions, constitute one book which may be looked upon as a great temple which it took thousands of years to build. The architect is God, and the workmen are the prophets and the apostles. Jesus Christ is the center of it all. The 31, 173 verses in the Bible are the stones or bricks of the structure, which you enter through a beautiful garden. First you enter five chambers. These are the chambers of law and justice. And in pomp is the law proclaimed. Next comes a suite of 12 apartments where the historical records are kept. Then there's a gymnasium in this building, the Book of Job, the saints exercising ground. And in the music room are the harps and the sweet psalm singers of Israel. Then comes the Chamber of Commerce, the stock exchange of the Bible, the Book of Proverbs, which contains the wisdom of the ages. Just off that is a little room where Jeremiah laments. I mean, it goes on, but it's very beautiful to think of it as a big temple. <laughs> Taking thousands of years to build, and God is its architect. And this is what we have the privilege of studying daily from, and thank God. And then, I like Parthens. Parthens was, was working in the forum with um, the statement, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he uses the word mood. That word mood means a state of mind. So, and he quotes Mrs. Eddy, you are a free moral agent to reject or accept error. Hence, you are the arbiter of your own fate. And then he quotes Winston Churchill, who says, this is an age in which the mood decides the fortunes of people rather than the fortunes decide the mood. Sir Winston was a master in the art of self-encouragement, activating the law of cause and effect in the most constructive way possible, virtually at all times. Churchill regarded Hitler just as David regarded Goliath. So, and he mentions, you know, David's mood preceded his confrontation with Goliath. Just as Hitler, he had a, uh, a, a mood, if you want to call it a mood, a state of mind. What? Drug addiction. <laughs> well, yeah, he was very into yeah. Oh well. Well, that was We're talking a, about his mental state. His mental oh, state. Yeah, okay. yeah. What enabled him to to defeat, to rise up and defeat Hitler, was a was not that. It was a mood of of uh, victory and triumph. Victory of liberty right and wrong. freedom. And yes. Right. Opportunity. Opportunity. Yes. And he. And he did. He rose up and was very instrumental in that. But then I got a kick out of, um, we have a beautiful new newsletter that Carol was mainly responsible for, but others because it was uh, Australia, Australia, beautiful pictures and stories about Australia in our newsletter from Emma Jin and Christoph and Jenny, our three of our members in Australia, beautiful pictures you'll love it anyway but the jim's corner which is which is a funny thing and this this just reminded me of what parthens wrote it says whatever you do today do it with the confidence of a four-year-old in a batman t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> that is the mood if any of you have ever known a four-year-old in a Batman t-shirt or Superman, you know, they are out to conquer the world. So, that must be the mood. That was the point of Parthens, the mood of one of victory. And, 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 right? Absolutely. I mean, children start out in life thinking that they are invincible. And, yeah. and, we, and we are once we understand why we are. And we should have that confidence. Yes. And it's anybody else? Florence, go ahead. No, no, it's confidence with God. I'm supporting what he's saying. Yeah, it's confidence in God. Mm-hmm. In God. Yeah. As our only father, mother. Wear a chosen T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, yes, it is having that grand confidence in God, and that is the feeling 
I don't know, mood, sometimes you think of moody, but, you know, it's more the feeling, the, the feeling of victory, the right sense of feeling. And, um, and that is coming under the divine mind. Uh, on the carousel this week, there was a good article by Carpenter called The Human Intellect, which is what we don't want. And um, he says the human intellect is is worthless from a spiritual standpoint. And this is that he talks about human opinions are valueless, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. right. So make sure. And sometimes they're worse than valueless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, well, they oppose God. It's in the lesson. So it's injurious. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it cannot, it's not helpful. Thank you. Yeah, not at all. And you should be able to discern as you grow um, when someone is speaking from the human intellect or not. Usually it's boring and pompous and um, there are other ways. Or, or whether they're speaking from divine wisdom. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take all this scholarly learning. In fact, that's often a hindrance. Right? Mm -hmm. We were reading in the first edition about eloquence yesterday. And, and what does it say, Linda? Eloquence, eloquence is in soul. It all comes from God. And yeah. All within everyone. Everyone has it. And she even talks about how that people who were not as learned, maybe they were, I don't remember what she did, she called them the people of the woods or something, were oh, often yeah. more eloquent than their more learned neighbors. But it was a beautiful sense that you're speaking from soul. Yes. Yes. And then there was another beautiful article that Carrie sent called Letting God Outline. You know, that statement in the lesson, deity, it's a definition of mind, but deity which outlines, but what? It's not outlined. Thank you. You let God outline. Um, it writes, uh, Christian science does not teach that human beings should not make their moves, but that these moves should be in accordance with God's outlining and not with the world's. Christian scientists can be conscious through the inspiration that, as Mrs. Eddy writes on 506 of Science and Health, Spirit God gathers unformed thoughts into their proper channels and unfolds these thoughts even as he opens the petals of a holy purpose in order that that purpose may appear. This is so important in our lives. We follow God. We, he... he he does the outlining. We are just follow what he would have us do. It's not this feeling of we're doing it, and we're pushing to do it, and we're outlining, and this is what I want. By the age 30, I'm going to have this, that, that, and the next thing, right? <laughs> that a lot. And, oh, Lord, if I don't have it by then, I'm doomed. It's all human. It's accretion, not unfoldment. The divine mind is unfolding to you his will. And then it speaks too, and most of you know this, from the birth itself, the child is subjected to a process of being outlined, both with reference to the past and future. Color of his eyes and hair, the temperament and special aptitudes are linked to ancestral conditions. The prospects of success in a profession or trade are made the subject of prophecy for the future. And so the child is encased in this mental frame, begins the role of living a human life. If the prophecy were strictly scientific, it would place the child in the arms of a heavenly father, mother, God, and a glorious unfoldment would then be possible. Endowing the child with gifts of grace and beauty, talent and power, and out of this would grow a fearless human, not designed for suffering, but for the sunshine of spiritual joy, developing ever more into the likeness of perfection. And then we read on page 63 in Science and Health. In science, man's future is just as definitely assured. Oh, excuse me. In science, man is the offspring of spirit. The beautiful, good, and pure constitute his ancestry. Hang on to that thought. End of quote. 
And then McCracken says, in science, man's future is just as definitely assured as is his divine origin. So make sure you don't make that mistake of outlining for others, certainly not children. Let them be what God created them to be, all beautiful and unique, intelligent, every good thing from the Father that they love and express so freely on that outline for yourself or for others. And that's why the most important thing we can teach our children is who and what God is and what their relationship with God is. And they learn they learn a lot of that through your example, <laughs> not through what you say necessarily. Yeah. So, and do make sure you you work with the definition of intelligence by Martha Wilcox, because it's a powerhouse. And that's where she, too, she speaks. No, no, no excuses, no alibis. Nope, that's going to, you're going to end up in a hospital or an insane asylum. <laughs> no, no, no. It's right for you to do. God will enable you to do it. And that's the end. Now, this was on our carousel. It's an article called Mind Versus Resistance that we'll end on today. By William P. McKinsey. Okay, and this is the last paragraph. <clears throat> Christian science is made thinkers. It publishes truth. It illumines the way of righteousness. It fulfills that prophecy found in Isaiah, which says, quote, And highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. End quote. And the proof that is perpetually given is the proof of healing. Mrs. Eddy says in Science and Health, page 483, quote, mind transcends all other power and will ultimately supersede all other means in healing, end quote. In consequence of what they know, Christian scientists do not lose hope or peace or faith or love, though the strife of tongues be great Though multitudes in the earth set themselves up against Christianity and proclaim chaos, Christian scientists know that God is creator. They know that mind is power. So many times have they seen the power of good overcome the resistance of evil. They know with certainty that even as sunlight dismisses the valley mists when its glory rises over the mountains, so shall the time come when metaphysically there will be no need of the light of the sun, for God's presence shall be the light and the warmth and the comfort for all. And there shall be no more curse, and there shall be no night there, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. 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 Thank you.